Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 97 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back to the show, Kimo Sabi. Hello, glad, glad to be back. <laughs> as, as I was going to say, I should probably explain my Kimo Sabi comment at the end of the last episode. Uh, but yeah, in um, when Die Hard was shown, uh, in the UK uh, uh, on TV, uh, what you'd quite often find, depending kind of depending on the channel and depending on the time it was on, um, but back in the kind of uh, I guess early nineties or whatever, when it was shown, they would they would quite often edit edit films for dial uh, edit films for swearing sometimes on TV in the UK. They were very strict, and uh, and I can always remember the most memorable kind of replacement. I mean, sometimes they'd beep it out on TV shows. They'd usually just beep it out, but occasionally what they'd do is actually swap words around. Um, and on and on uh, on Die Hard, whenever they showed Die Hard instead of uh, the classic Yippee <laughs> uh, and we know what comes next, they would actually swap that for Yippee Kimusabi, uh, which is just bizarre. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but that's what the, what they would change it to. And I can remember actually, this uh, reminds me of um, uh, Repo Man, uh, the film Repo Man. Uh, on that, they actually. Um, uh, Alex Cox, the director, he kind of personally recorded his own kind of swear-free version. So he he came up with all sorts of crazy words to do it. And uh, I think on the on some of the Blu-rays of the release of that, you can watch it with the kind of uh, Alex Cox's censored track. And it's uh, it's supposed to be quite funny. I'm not, I'm not sat and watched it all the way through, but it's supposed to be quite amusing. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So episode 97 begins with John taking a position under the desk and ends with glass shattering once again. So, I mean, this is a, a completely uh, action-filled minute. You know, we will have very little dialogue, if any at all. So yesterday we, we ended things with, uh, with John defending himself against uh, the, the three remaining terrorists. We, we still have uh, Hans, Carl, and Franco that are still shooting at him. Uh, Fritz is, is no, longer in, in, no longer in the mix. He's, he's dead by the elevator rank. And then we get John rolling around and taking a position under a desk, uh, and you see that he's ready to fire. Then we see Franco move from one position to another and getting, trying to get closer. John opens fire and begins to shoot glass. Uh, in there's like a glass pane in front of John that he shoots out. You know, he's not like even shooting anything further from him. And as Franco is moving towards him, he ends up shooting him in the knees. And I mean, it's quite graphic the the squibs mm-hmm. that they do here. You know, showing uh, you know his uh, you know his knees and legs being uh, I guess you can say shredded. By, by the bullets, and then we see him fly up in the air, and he lands with his head slamming and smashing into a, a broken window frame. You know, he, he's, he's not getting up from that one, that's for sure. You know, I was, th- I was thinking to myself, he gets shot in the knees, but just doing you kneecap someone, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to die. But when they lose their balance and, you know, become Superman and start flying through the air <laughs> and end up 
landing, you know, their head landing in the middle of, of a, a pane of glass. Uh, I, I don't think he had much of a chance, <laughs> you know, at this, this point. You know, they, they, they definitely found some very intriguing ways to kill the, 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 the various uh, terrorists along the way. Mm. You know, each, each of them is, is quite unique. <laughs> yeah. And that is some good squib work, as you mentioned. It's, you don't often see kind of knee squibs. It's uh, it's probably quite painful to have done that as a stuntman as well. It's uh, yeah, because there's a, there are a lot of them going off just like um, because it's still a, a little explosion. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll they'll protect themselves in in different ways and things, unless it's yeah. some kind of dummy or something. But it looks like someone moving. It's it's very convincing. Right, right, and I mean, and then the way that his head goes through that glass also. Mm. That's just yeah. you know he he like the head goes through the glass and the way that he lands. You know, you, you know, they they spared us, and at least they didn't, you know, have his head like fall off, you know, get get like guillotined from the way that he yeah. lands, you know, right on that. Uh... Yeah, it could well have done. Yeah, yeah. It reminds it reminds me of this. Uh, well, this whole scene, but especially that moment reminds me of a police story, the uh, Jackie Chan police story, because uh, I remember when because the 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 final the finale of that is crazy amount of glass getting smashed, and I think the crew the crew reportedly redubbed the film glass story just for that final scene and uh this scene definitely reminds me of that with all the there's an, there's an incredible that, amount of glass and that came out that came out three years before this one so you can't even say yes. that that it was copied unless unless it's copied the other way yeah yeah maybe maybe if you, you if think... you actually watch um interestingly speaking of that if you watch tango and cash tango and cash actually uh at least two of the set pieces are pretty much totally ripped off police story um the uh oh there's the bus kind of stopping right in front of him and the bad guy flying out, I think. And then there's there's also a kind of a zip wire time of bit, which is, again, pretty much ripped off police story. Um, so it definitely had its in, uh, influence on American action movies. Yeah, but do you think you think that they they took the idea of the glass from there? Possibly, possibly. I don't know. They don't, they don't use it into... They use it, I guess, more interestingly here with the whole kind of uh, foot side of things um it'd be interesting to see um as i say i mean we'll see where we get to in the script later but it'd be interesting to see how much of that was was planned right that's true i mean but, and, um, but yeah you, i don't know if you go into imdb I, I, there is no connection between the two of them you know in the connection section no no but um but i don't know it's it's possible it's possible i think it, it, in police story it's less about shooting glass though it's more smashing people through glass and and in this is only really that one shot so i don't think so possibly not a big influence on it but you never mm-hmm. know okay all right and at this point carl then takes cover behind the desk and hans we see him lunge forward onto the ground you know which is not something which is not i mean they show that he's that his his character is quite agile you know, he's not just a uh, businessman type, uh, you know, terrorist uh, slash yeah. uh, thief. You know, he he is into action also. So like, he yeah. although, jumps forward and grabs the yeah. gun. Although watching know, watching that shot now, just just now, you can kind of tell it's not. Um, <laughs> it's certainly not Alan Rickman. <laughs> no, for sure not. <laughs> that I could have told you before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see when he lands on the ground, it it the, the it it looks like the guy's wearing a wig. Yeah, and whenever you, whenever they're hiding someone's face, really obviously, it's it's never going to be the actor. Generally, but you think that's Alexander Goodenough uh, behind the desk? <laughs> no, probably not. 
<laughs> Although he's less famous, maybe he's got a stunt background. You never know with some of those guys. Right. Okay. And he, he's a dancer. <laughs> oh, yeah, he might be then. Yeah. So he yeah, so then Hans grabs Franco's gun and John continues to shoot at them. And then we hear Hans scream in German. And then uh, he hides under like behind a computer bank. Like there's this huge computer bank that that uh, that he did, and I love the music in this minute because the music just helps raise the tension. You hear music and gunfire. That's the those are the two things that are that are very uh, apparent throughout this entire uh, minute. And then Carl sticks his head out, and John opens fire. You know, uh, hitting the desk, and there's like a computer monitor there that has all these sparks flying, stuff like that. So I mean, John's a pretty good shot. Uh, I mean, no one here is good enough that they're hitting everybody, but you know, hitting all the the people on the other side. But they're they're able to to cause a lot of damage, I guess you can say. To you know, they're, they're, there's going to be a pretty big cleanup at Nakatomi later on. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, after after this all gets settled, <laughs> although after everything gets blown up at the end. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but they don't know that yet, you know. And at this point. Uh, you know, that you can see all these like computer banks behind them that it's written on them control data. Hmm. You know, there's like, there's, I think you can see like four or five of them that are like that. And it makes, makes you wonder like what, you know, what type of data is this, is this, this company Nakatomi storing, you know, that, that's so important to them on this uh, level of computers. You know, we never, we never know exactly what they do in Nakatomi. Besides, you know, uh, have a whole bunch of uh, bearer bonds. Yeah. You know, but but maybe maybe they're like a a, a high tech company. You know that here they're they're able to store like like two megabytes of of data on a, on on these huge computers. You know, <laughs> who knows? Now, <laughs> what 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 I find funny is that uh, you know the the way the way that 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 uh you know John like is shooting at them and you know he keeps he keeps hitting various things along the way and you know Carl keeps sticking his head out and you see papers flying all over the place now do, do you think that the idea of saying that it's control data is that like a is that you think it's like a placebo you know you have the control group <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like an in joke. The idea that, that yeah. okay, this is this is the data we control. You know that type of thing. <laughs> and then Hans, <laughs> and then Hans looks looks out from behind the computer, and John starts shooting at him. And John keeps alternating between shooting at the area where Carl is, and Carl keeps popping his head up. You know, it looks like a whack a mole. The way that his head keeps popping up, and John shoots <laughs> to the area, and his head goes back down. You know, and stuff like that. And then we we see lots of glass shattering, and we we even see glass falling on Franco's corpse. You know that's just sitting there, which which you got to give a lot of credit to the actor that he's not moving as they have all this uh, you know glass fall on him. Oh, there'll be sugar glass, but still, obviously, I'm I'm aware of the fact that there's sugar glass. But since you brought up sugar glass, I, I was going to wait until a little later to talk about sugar glass. <laughs> but we might as well talk about sugar glass. So, what do you know about sugar glass, David? Uh, I know of it. I don't 
know exactly what it is. It's basically a safer way of using, of, of kind of recreating glass to be smashed in movies. Uh, and I guess, I presume it's made out of sugar. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it is, it's, it's just less, when it breaks, it, it doesn't have the sh as sharp an edge as glass, so it's less deadly. It's, it, I've heard it can, it still can be dangerous. You've got to be careful using it, but it's, it's a lot safer. You couldn't just, you can, you can smash your head through it without quite the same kind of risk as you would a proper sheet of glass. Okay. So sugar glass, which is also known as candy glass, edible glass, or breakaway glass. It's a brittle, transparent form of sugar that looks like glass. It can be formed into a sheet that looks like flat glass, or even as an object, such as a bottle or possibly a drinking glass, things like that. You know, we've seen a lot in movies, you know, where someone will shatter a bottle or, or throw a, you know, a drinking glass and stuff like that. It's made by dissolving sugar in water and heating it to at least the hard crack stage, which is approximately 150 degrees Celsius or 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and that's part of the of what you use in the candy making process. So you have glucose or corn syrup is used to prevent the sugar from recrystallizing by getting in the way of the sugar molecules forming crystals. And then they add in cream of tartar, which helps by turning the sugar into glucose and into fructose. All right, because the, the glass is uh, um, hygroscopic, okay, it has to be used soon after preparation or it will possibly soften and lose its brittle quality. So maybe in movies you've seen, you know, people jumping into glass and, you know, we see it bending a little bit. It could be that it's just sitting on the, uh, you know, on the set a little too long or something like that. So it's it's used quite often to simulate glass in movies, uh, sometimes in, in photographs, in plays, and it's also used in professional wrestling. Uh, some people use it to, to make sugar sculptures or other forms of edible art. And in the TV show Breaking Bad, it was used as a prop for methamphetamine, where mm -hmm. there would be characters who would be eating it on set. So there would be, it would, you know, they'd be, be eating sugar glass through that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of sugar glass here. <laughs> yeah, okay. And and we're going to get into even more. You know, we're not we're not done with that yet. Mm. You know, and. Um, you know, they, they give us a, a, very, a long lingering shot of the broken glass on the ground around Franco with the blood pooling around and stuff like that. I mean, they, it actually we get about four seconds of that, which which is a lot. Yeah. For them to show that, yeah. you know, I, I I think that that's partial, partially the foreshadowing of okay, this is glass, this is dangerous, it can cause a lot of blood, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's the whole sequence. I was going to mention this about the sequence is kind of this whole scene shows what I love about film editing, which is why why I do it myself. Is um, it's all about telling the story through montage. So uh, so you've got that shot of the glass with blood all over it, and then you cut to you've got a shot of um, you've got a couple of shots of uh, hands noticing, looking at the glass and realizing it. So you, the reason you see that glass with the blood in it is it's showing uh, hands of thought process, thinking, "Oh, okay, we get glass everywhere. This is really going to hurt, possibly even kill John if we." So then he has the idea in a second of. Uh, shoot the glass he tells he uh, yeah. tells his henchmen to shoot the glass 
and so it, it's all it's all it's all showing his thought processes just through cutting to certain shots and, and you see that time i think that's also why you have the shot of um of the dead body of franco uh, uh, what's his franco. franco and then the glass falling on him again it's showing there's a body there there's glass falling on him because we shot above him it's all showing what Hans is seeing so that we understand his thought process so that what he does isn't just random right uh, it's it's all about making sense and and you get that a lot in this film it, it, it's 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 kind of the mark of a, of a of a good film is telling the story through shots through montage um or through camera movements rather than just writing it all down uh, and just explaining everything to the audience because that's not good filmmaking that's good you you may as well read a book if you're doing that so <laughs> it's not really doing what films are supposed to be doing right that's true. No, I, yeah I like, I like little moments like that they can be too obvious sometimes you could argue there's a few a little too much back and forth between shots of glass and shots of hands you kind of get the idea earlier than that but but it's not it doesn't overdo it too much it's right. not that it's not comically over the top right and then uh hans realizes this whole idea and then call, uh, calls out to carl and starts speaking to him in German, and Carl doesn't can't hear him, doesn't understand him. I mean, it's it's pretty funny the way that it works. You know, it's like he's, you know, he's looking at him as if, what are you saying to me? What what? Why are you bothering me at this point or something like that? And and then we get a quick shot of John who has taken the bag of the detonators off of him, and it makes you wonder why he's doing that. Like, you know, he he knows that that's what he needs. You know that's that's his uh, insurance against against Hans. So it, I mean, I think here it's just because the plot needed it. You know, I don't think there's any rational reason that that John would take to, take that off. It's not as if you know he'd say to himself, "Okay, it's going to be easier to run without it" or whatever. He needs it. You know, but for some reason he takes it off and just leaves it on the ground. And then then we go back to Hans and we get another shot of him looking at Carl. And then he starts speaking in English and says, shoot the glass. And as he's doing it, we hear lots of, of, of the sound of broken glass, which again, I, I goes back to what you were saying before about the storytelling, you know, that even via the sounds of things going on, going on around them, even if it's 80 yard in or whatever it is, they're, they're still letting us know that, okay, um, glass is breaking at this point. You know, and, and it's going to be very integral over the course of the next few minutes of the movie. You know, and right before Hans speaks to Carl and says to him in English, he like rolls his eyes. You know, which is really funny. It's like, oh, my God, I got to say this in English. You know, I, th I think it's more for us at this point yeah. also. You know, it's just an excuse that Carl couldn't hear him. Because, like, how can Carl understand him easier in English <laughs> as opposed to in German? <laughs> Yeah, you know that type of thing. Uh, yeah, definitely. Unless Carl wasn't German, you know that type of thing. If he's, <laughs> you know, he's speaking to him in a foreign language, then okay. And then the two of them start shooting, and they shoot lots and lots of glass that starts uh, shattering all over the place. And that's the way this minute ends. So, did you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? Uh no, I think uh, I think I kind of covered it already. I just want us to talk about the editing as usual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well the script again, like I did yesterday, it's very descriptive. So I'm just going to read everything that's in here for for this minute. It says uh, John ducks and dodges as bullets ping and ricochet all around him, ducking, rolling. He fires at Franco. 
McLean's bullets rake his middle, throw him over a desk, his weapon flying. He slides right into a glass door and smashes around his head. Bright ar arterial blood fountains up. McLean, uh, hope, hope rises at the prospect of an equal battle. His face suddenly falls as bullets fly in from an unexpected direction. He turns and sees Han. Hans has reappeared and snatched up Franco's weapon. McLean fires, moving, trying to keep from being flanked. One of his shots shatters a glass panel, raining down shards near Hans, who escapes with only, with only superficial scratches. Hans looks at the glass around him, gets an idea. He shouts to Carl in German, The glass! Shoot the glass! And saying this, he demonstrates. Carl follows suit. So the truth is I like it in some ways better the way that the, the, the shooting the glass works in in the script than the way that they filmed it. Because it's that Hans looks at the glass around him. You know, he's not looking at what happened to Franco. He sees glass. It looks down. You know, he, there's glass shattering on him. And that's what gives him the yeah. idea. You know, yeah. and the fact that he only says it once to... To, to Carl also says that this was something that they decided to add in for us of have him speak German and then speak English and stuff like that. And for him to, to, to show Carl what he wants him to do by shooting is also good. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if you pay attention, he actually shoots first in the glass. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, sorry. I'm not, that's not true. Oh, um so he tells Carl and Carl starts shooting. So in the movie, Carl starts shooting first, the glass. He doesn't like show him, but then he joins in quite quickly and starts uh, right. shooting also. So Yeah. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guest will give a little story, adventure, misadventure, something that happened to them along the journey of life that's somehow related to a holiday. So what you got a story for us, uh, David? Uh, I, I, yeah, a little bit. Nothing too major. I was, um, I'm gonna nothing about can, uh, well, nothing about Khan this time, right? No, unfortunately not. No missed airplanes <laughs> or anything. Funnily enough, I missed an airplane this summer <laughs> again. Oh wow! But not my fault. It was the airliner's fault then. And, anyway, and, uh, and it wasn't your fault last time either. It was traffic, you know. <laughs> true. But no, I'm going to talk about something that happened. I'm not sure if you'd call it a holiday. That's that was my only issue. Is it? I, I've used the word holiday as referring to any kind of special day, but we don't necessarily we don't actually get a day off for it. So I don't know if I'd call it a holiday. No, it's fine. It, that's perfectly fine. Whatever you okay, got cool. is good for us. But I was going to mention bonfire night, which is something very particular to the UK. Uh, so I don't know if everyone knows about it. I've never uh, heard of basically, it. So you can explain no, to never me. Never heard of it. Right. Never heard of it. You can explain so, to me what it is. Uh, on November the fifth. Wait, there's Guy Fox Day, isn't it? It's Guy Fox Night, yeah. We, ah, it's, also called, it's, it's also Night. called Bonfire Night. But yeah, yeah, that's well, that's why I call it. Maybe it's a Yorkshire thing. <laughs> but yeah, Guy Guy Fox Night, Bonfire Night, whatever you want to call it. So on the fifth of November every year in the UK, people have big bonfires and they do fireworks. Um, and it, they don't do it as much anymore, but they used to have a, an effigy of Guy Fawkes, which they'd burn on the bonfire, which is kind of a bit creepy. Uh, and the whole thing is to kind of is is in memory of when this guy, Guy Fawkes, this guy, Guy Fawkes, <laughs> tried to he tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. And he, he but he was he was stopped and 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 the, the his plot was foiled. And uh, so it's supposed to be celebrating, which seems weird because nowadays everyone hates the government. And uh, it seems strange to celebrate the fact that somebody didn't destroy the government. <laughs> uh, but 
but as with most celebrations, like everyone just uses an excuse to have fun, get together with friends and family. It's always nice getting around the bonfire on a cold November's night and and everyone loves fireworks. And so uh, I guess I, I had a little bit of a story of, of one bonfire night. It was, um, it, this was, it was very early in when I was first kind of seeing uh, at the time, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, we've been uh, married for a long time, and uh, but she, she came over. That was her but first her but first bonfire night, <clears throat> and she came over and to my parents' house uh, for bonfire night. And we had they had loads of friends around, and we did a big. They, they had a they have a big garden, so we had a big bon, we had a big bonfire and things like that in there, and uh, we all got ready for the fireworks. Everyone loves the fireworks. And my dad is always in charge of the fireworks and uh, he, he likes to make a big do of it. And we were doing some of the fireworks. He was lighting his Roman candles and all this kind of jazz. And then it got to kind of the big finale of the fireworks night. And it was one of these one of these big kind of cube fireworks where you've got a big, like a kind of box and it has loads of fireworks in it and you light it and it does all sorts, like it fires all sorts of stuff out. So it was like the big grand finale. I thought, oh, awesome. Um, dad lights it and then runs, steps back. Then when he lights it, we, we realised... I can't remember if it fell over or if he just actually put it up the wrong way, but it starts firing at us. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so everyone's like <laughs> running out the way. And uh, there's like a big sliding kind of patio door that, that was the closest to exit. And, and <laughs> my wife would never, ever forgive me because I, this is early on in my relationship. I showed my true colors because I just, I, I just, Every man for himself. I just ran straight for that door, and, I, and according to my wife, I closed it behind me. Oh wow! You did. You did a George Costanza. Like, yeah, basically. Oh wow! Instead of uh, saving her and getting her in safely, I was like ah, and just ran away like a big wuss. There's actually a. I don't know if you've seen the film Force Majeure. Yes. Um, that's that's kind of like that situation in a way, a bit more dangerous, I guess, and, uh, where there's an avalanche coming yeah. and this guy runs to save himself and doesn't try and save his yeah, family yeah. or his I've wife. I've seen also the American the uh, version of it uh, with Will Ferrell, which isn't as good. Oh, I didn't realize there's a. Oh, yeah, no, yes, no, I do realize there's a remake. No, I've not seen the, the remake. It, um, it's nothing. But, uh, it, it, don't. don't uh, <laughs> it's it's, no, it's not, yeah, that, it's great. not that great. Thing. <laughs> no. They, they, but the original is worth checking. Yeah, out. it's worth checking out, but uh, it's it's definitely not even close to being as good as the the original one. But yeah, I, so I kind of had my own version, mini version of that on it's, one. It's one called Down, night, Downhill. Um, and it came out in 2020. Oh, okay. Uh, it's with oh. Will Ferrell yeah, and so... uh, Julia Julia Louise Dreyfus. <laughs> Random. But yeah, so my own version, I mean, I, we're still married now, so it didn't destroy anything, but um, it will always be a shameful, <laughs> shameful memory for me. Um, yeah, but I still enjoy Bonfire Night. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, so I uh, write uh, reviews over at blueprintreview.co.uk. Uh, lots of classic world indie cult kind of movies usually um yeah check it out all right and finding me is very simple just do a quick search for movie around minute you can find me on facebook you can find me on twitter and you can find me on my website movieroundminute.com so david you feel like coming back again tomorrow oh yeah maybe maybe see what happens with all the shattered glass yes more glass <laughs> more glass more gunshots more glass anyone that, that that's what come back tomorrow and you'll get a lot more of that 
<laughs> Until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.